Hey, I'm Daniel Colbert. And I'm John Rudolph Drexler. This is Talking Business League. Uh, we run a small development agency together. Every week, we have a one-hour call where we discuss the state of our business. This is that call. How are we doing? I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm, I'm so good. It's a Monday. I'm feeling lively. Yeah, I'm also feeling lively. I went to actually, I went to the dump this morning. Ooh, Uh-oh. the music's playing again. Hold on. Uh, can't have that. Oh, and my alarm's alarm. going off. Wow. Oh, no. We're having, it's, it's quite a morning. <laughs> the call's coming from inside the house. <laughs> uh, I went to the dump this morning. Oh, that's fun. Did you, you get rid of some stuff? Dude, so the if you're seeing the video, there used to be a futon right here. Finally got rid of it. Um, it used to be our guest bed, but now, but then we like bought a real guest bed with like a Casper mattress that you've I've slept, slept on. on it. It's great. Um, and so then I just had this futon. I was like, well, I'll just put it in my office so I can have a futon in my office. But like, you don't actually want a futon in your office. No, it's, it's a disaster. And then I had a dresser in my closet that I was using for storage, and I got rid of that too. So like, it was great. really freeing. You're you're a, a large step closer to being a professional Twitch streamer. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I've got a thousand dollars worth of stuff in my Amazon cart that I can't purchase because <laughs> I just won't let myself. Um, you know, I was trying to get a uh, I, so I had a conundrum here where the person who lived here before me left this very nice leather couch. It and is nice. I couch. I had a I had a good couch that was a gift from my family, um, and I was like well, what do I do? Cause like, I don't think I need two couches. Take the best couch. Yeah. And then it was, it was, it ended up being okay. I gave my old couch to my sister and, uh, she needed it, but several people said to me, well, why don't you put the second couch in your bedroom? And I was like, what am I going to do with a couch in my bedroom? Like my, my bedroom is a, I, I have like very uh, strict sleep hygiene where my bedroom is like, uh, it's a very dark, place that i sleep just sleep in mm-hmm. and like therefore it can be used for like storage basically because like i'm not hanging out in my bedroom you know yep uh anyway i was very confused but i was like to just imagining like hmm, you know i need to sit down and uh like read a magazine for a minute maybe i'll maybe i'll sit on the couch in my bedroom instead of sitting on the couch in the well-lit living room like what there a strange are sure idea. a lot of places you don't want a couch yeah you know, I I once lived in a house where we had a couch on the porch. Oh yeah. That was dope for being 21 years old. Absolutely. Well, yeah, I mean, you I have a picture of you uh on my porch. This is when uh both of our lives were quite dysfunctional. Quite chaotic, uh, we were both yeah. about 22 years old and we lived in Highland Park in Chattanooga and I had uh, a porch that was screened in with like multiple couches. And we had three couches out there. And that was so cool. Because even in the winter, we would all sit out there. Yeah, and I like remember. Just like sit on cigarettes. couches outside and smoke cigarettes. <laughs> it was a different time. Oh, uh, what a blast. One of the ways that and I were really. Old. Yeah, exactly. No, no more cigarettes for us. I was just, I just said in our last meeting, I was like, I'm watching my, watching my neighbor smoke a cigarette, uh, wishing so badly that I still could. Um 
one of the ways that I used to really shock Californians when I was telling them about uh, growing up in Tennessee was uh, as like, you know, we used to study at Waffle House and they're like, why would you study at Waffle House? It's like, well, first of all, Waffle House is terrific. Um, second of all, it's open 24 seven. Mm-hmm. And so you can sit under the fluorescent lights at 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. drinking coffee and studying. But number three, they let you smoke inside back then. <laughs> I was like 17 years old studying for like a calculus exam. I'd be in there like chain smoking cigarettes and drinking black coffee at like one <laughs> in the morning with Lee Winterstrom, you know. <laughs> and my um, Californian friends would be like, what world or what like, yeah, anyway, they, yeah. they were completely shocked by this. Oh, yeah. I was actually in North Carolina visiting for New Year's when the law went into effect that you could no longer smoke indoors. And James Harrison and uh, Johnny Kate and I all went to a Waffle House and smoked cigarettes right up until midnight. Yeah, that's very fun. Yeah. It was a good time. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, um, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. I don't have a lot to add. Uh, uh, good weekend. I, uh, I I spent most of the weekend f- focused on the card game. I worked some. I worked a. I worked a couple of fifteen-hour days last week. <laughs> yeah, you did a big. You did a big week. Um, I also did a big week it was, last week. It was good. I mean, it was like it was like a. It was the vast majority of it was thunk stuff, but I also like needed to do some stuff for the card game. So uh, this weekend, I like I kicked kicked it pretty hard. Um, mm-hmm. I slept and uh, I played a new video game, which was fun Ooh, for a few hours. One? The Lies of P. It's basically a fake Dark Souls. Um, oh, okay. And that was fun. I played it for a couple hours. I don't know if I'll have time to like play it, play it for real, but it was like nice to, you know. Just... You probably just mention it to my brother and then he'll play it for you. Yeah, exactly. Um, he, you know, uh, we, we were not sure what kind of gamer your brother was when he was just sort of like, oh yeah, I like Dark Souls too. And then he started describing his um his hollow night speed run times and i was like oh okay we're talking about different things here <laughs> you're a gamer gamer this gotcha. is a different kind of this is a different kind of gamer yeah so. um how are you uh i'm well i also had a some like late late nights last week um yeah. some some dark ones but uh got through them and friday was great friday was like i really enjoyed it like uh so we had like a pretty decently sized project opportunity kind of appear and uh, we wanted to jump on it, uh, but it required some like resource allocation. And so we had to kind of like spring into action to like find a couple of contractors and like get some help on an existing project. And like this project, we brought in a contractor and then you and I are going to tag team some hours for it also. Um, but yeah, it's really exciting, and I think that everything worked. Like we were able to fill all of the things that needed to be filled, and we made a spreadsheet for the rest of our year. Um, and twenty twenty three is looking great. Yeah, it's um, fingers crossed. You know, it's like there's still stuff that could fall apart. I don't yeah. hold my breath for anything, but like things are looking very good. I've, oh, by the way, I did find attribution on that quote. Uh, it's Paul Graham, 
who said which quote the birds fly fish swim deals fall through (laughs) that's good yeah (laughs) paul graham's like the legendary vc right he's i think he isn't he like the founder of y combinator I think so. And he said a lot. He think he's he has like a lot of smart, pithy things that he's yeah, said yeah, about yeah. VC that people quote a lot. He's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I don't know. He might be a terrible person. I don't know. But he's smart. I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyway, um, that I, I heard that quote actually listening to my first million, which is this my only hustle culture that I engage in is I listen to every once in a while an episode of my first million. Yeah. Um, and one of the guys on there, Sam, just said that quote. And I was like, that is a good quote. I'm going to remember that quote. Yeah. That's but anyway, yeah. Assuming we get a couple of things going. So we had one of our big existing clients extended by eight weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's good. So that's like they were supposed to end at the end of September. So that gets them through end of November, um, which is good. I don't know what we're going to we haven't really talked about what our December plan is because like a bunch of our clients are going to go on vacation. So we got to figure mm-hmm. out what our plan is around that. Um, and then, uh, and then we have uh, this big thing that we just closed. And then we have an existing client that we've just started working on. And then uh, we have someone who we're doing a, a small engagement actually we can say their name we actually did talk about whether we could say their name on the podcast so we've got glitch secure um which by the way if any of you guys need sort of like annual productized pen testing uh that's what glitch secure is doing it's very good very cool um so anyway we're doing some uh just some kind of like small cleanup issues for them and then we'll see long term if there's like a longer term engagement there or not um and then there is this other guy who uh has it's definitely more like consulty it's not like as writing cody but i'm trying to get a hold of him today he said he wanted to meet today i don't know if that's going to happen or not so anyway there's a lot going on um but i think we're filling everything that needs filled so sorry that's how i am <laughs> do you have any feedback for me? <laughs> yeah, a very long bullet point list of everyone we've talked to that's how that's how it are. is like all it feels like it all <laughs> happened like in the last like 10 minutes sure yeah because like since thursday i've just been like moving these puzzle pieces around in my head <laughs> yeah uh no i think it's good and i think we are in a um we're in a good place. We have a lot of opportunity. We have opportunity to not take something else on or to take something else on. Uh, and it's interesting, even the question about December, like if all of our clients go on vacation, it's kind of funny. It's like, if we're booked up, there's not like business development stuff to do. And we, all of our clients are like off, like there's a world where we just take a bunch of time off, like, uh, which is great. So, um, yeah, that, is great do you have any feedback for me um no you're doing great uh you are oh, so you're handling oh chris said we can mention internachi so you're handling internachi which is yes. the place i used to work where you're now doing product consulting yes um you're basically now handling the all temporary product manager for two different companies yeah and you're crushing it so i'm very happy with that um i was actually 
like kind of bragging about you to uh matt like previous employer titan guy i was just bragging about like dude we're just like selling product consulting like all the time and it's like we're just working and john's killing it so anyway well then really... he, he finally came and followed me on twitter after that so i think oh, did he yeah <laughs> i think you really persuaded him <laughs> he's like oh, i better figure out what this guy's all about yeah yeah um, yeah and on my, tw- my Twitter like is just like, I'm the product guy. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're killing it there. Um, your blog post was very good. I read it today. Um, oh, yeah, I'm excited about this one. Yeah, I have no notes. Radical simplicity. That's my Crush new. City. That's that's my new uh, phrase. I'm 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 pushing all over the place with. Also, like stuff. I know that this is not like and it like an objectively impressive thing or whatever but i am always so impressed when you whip out a spreadsheet <laughs> oh yeah just, yeah i got the spreadsheet so bad at spreadsheets this is so funny to me i mean like this is a whole thread for us because like i've i've been doing something very silly which is that i'm re-listening to our old podcast um which is bizarre yes. uh, but a lot of those early conversations is like i was deep in spreadsheet world um and we used to have these conversations about spreadsheets are programming. It's just mm-hmm. a very different kind of programming. Um, and it's fun. It's so funny to me that, cause like for me, it was this total like gateway drug. Uh, that's like, well, anyone could program a spreadsheet, um, you know, uh, and then that eventually when I tried to do something sophisticated with a spreadsheet, that's where I started actually writing real code. But uh, it's so funny to me that you are like, afraid of spreadsheets and say that you don't like understand them or like, like that you're not good at them. Cause I'm like, but this is like the dumb version. Of course you can do this. So I think my thing with spreadsheets is that like all the functions are like really, it's like the worst programming language in the world. <laughs> yeah. um, and I wish I could just like hop in and like, just like write code. You like can real, but no, but like a real code, you know, I'm just saying it is, it I'm in, in Google script or whatever it is, you can create your own functions. Yeah. And like, it's, it's pretty cool. There's this app called quadratic, um, which is kind of interesting. That is like an, one thing I really like about it is that it's infinite spreadsheet. So there's no boundaries, which is kind of cool. Which um, is the same. I mean, you have to add rows technically, but yeah, yeah. this are, is just yeah. like the spreadsheet is infinite. It goes on forever which is kind of weird and cool. Um, but also you, you can just like write Python instead of writing whatever, you know, and it comes with like NumPy and pandas and all these other like Python math libraries like built in. So like all of the sort of like Python math convenience stuff is just kind of like built in. So rather than writing like all these weird, like V lookup weird, awkward excel syntax stuff that i don't understand yeah it's just like we'll just write some python you know yeah so that's kind of cool if i was going to get into spreadsheets i think that's how i would do it that's interesting i uh the thing that kind of broke spreadsheets for me was Airtable. i can't remember if i've talked about this on the podcast but the thing that the Airtable does a very subtle but extremely important thing um which is that for people who are like spreadsheet guys it's very like attractive and cool because it's like a little bit more powerful got some better features it looks a lot nicer 
but the extremely important pivot that they make is it's not a spreadsheet, it's a database. Um, and Do you back your data from Airtable up outside of Airtable? No, should I? Well, you should, because like platform risk. Sure. And B, um, I just saw someone tweeting about how Airtable is like super upside down on their valuation right now. Ooh, that's a good call. Okay, <laughs> so interesting. Maybe, maybe you should, apparently they're making like, negative a gajillion dollars <laughs> they've <laughs> raised a lot of money like we talked about last week or, it's like they're so successful that they're really like burning like orders of magnitude more money than they used to um yeah so that's how good that's they very are. interesting because they um i i've always been very confused by their pricing model because i have been a power user of Airtable for as long as they've existed, basically. <laughs> and I have referred all sorts of people in. I've used them at work. I've used them in my personal life. I've used them with games. I've used them collaboratively, used them individually. I've written code to interact with their API. I've like, I have done everything you can do with Airtable every day for six years. And I have not yet paid them a dollar. <laughs> I'm like, what? Like, I wonder where's why they're the catch? so upside down on their valuation. <laughs> I'm like, I'm prepared to pay you, but like, you've never given me a reason to <laughs> like, what, what is their pricing? I, I don't know. I think it's like something about, I think it's a collaboration thing, or maybe if your database gets really big, I think that's the idea is like, it's a gateway drug. And then like you build your startup on it and then like, Oh, you have 20,000 records. You need to start paying for this. But it's like, yeah, I don't know who that's for. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, there's so many, different places where you could draw the line that would w work so much better yeah like just like hey you have more than three people in a spreadsheet now yeah. you owe us like $20. as an individual power user i if they said like to just keep doing what you're doing you gotta i'm trying to think of where what number i would say no to like you would I say think yes they, to 50 probably right i think if they asked me for 30 i would do 30 like would you do 50 that's a kind of a lot. If I could, if Thunk could pay for it, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like, yeah, would I as an individual it, pay fifty? No. If Thunk pays for it, it's thirty percent off. Right. So anyway, the uh, Airtable is so cool. It's a really they have built a fantastic product, and they should start charging me money for it, <laughs> <laughs> so that you can hope that they don't go away. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway. Uh. Uh, feedback for you. I am psyched that uh, things are going well and that you continue to bring in uh, our largest business, our largest clients. Um, I uh, The two things that I think are like one little and one big. The little one is I think we're still in a little bit of a rut with some like small menial tasks like mm, um like i believe it. i i want to see your hours and harvest and and i just don't have them don't put them in uh that is true i should do that and then like but but i'm also wondering like it made me wonder more in a bigger picture like we don't have a way to do recurring tasks 
linear mm-hmm. is great for a lot of things. They Hopefully just don't do recurring. Tasks. They don't do recurring tasks. Interesting. So we could do some kind of like funky thing with their API where we do it. <laughs> sure. Uh, but it's very annoying. And I looked it up and like, there's like, they're on their forum saying like, oh yeah, we should do that someday. And like, it's like, well, like just do it, you know? Um, they just raised their series B. So maybe that means they'll do it. Yeah. Um, but like, I've noticed that for like me doing, I want a recurring task for like, make a blog post every week. Uh-huh. I want, you know, each of us to have a recurring task of like, go log your harvest hours. But that's not like a thing we have yet. So anyway. Also like, I have a hard time with that as a, this is such a weird distinction. I'm always obsessed with the distinction between like what's a calendar event and what's a task, you know? Yeah. I know that like there is a, a way that people do things we've talked about before. Time boxing like or whatever. You, yeah. yeah. You put 15 minutes on Friday afternoon to just like fill out harvest hours. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of people who say that that works for them. That is not a thing that works for me. I can't. So it doesn't, I actually, it doesn't make me do it. I actually probably wouldn't uh, do that. I think probably what I would do is like put like an hour and a half on Monday afternoon for like eating shit. And okay. that includes <laughs> harvest hours and sure. other such things, you know? Just I like, do have like a 90 minute thing in my Monday morning, which is like go through every client and make sure that like everything makes sense. It's like send them invoices, mm-hmm. uh, make sure our linear tasks are correct for them, send them an update email, all that stuff. So like mm-hmm. that kind of works. It's like I have basically like an eat client shit block, but I guess I could just say that that includes harvest i don't know yeah yeah, i don't know like it's hard to know where like internal stuff goes you know yeah um so that's like one little what was the other one that's a paper cut the bigger thing is not really feedback for you directly it's that um the like ache that i felt last week was on this client where we're eating shit uh where we're eating big shit and Mm -hmm. I was thinking it could be, if you're up for it, it could be an interesting use of this episode to, we've talked about some retro things of like, mm-hmm. what did we learn here? What are we going to do differently? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and I thought it could be kind of interesting to just talk I think about it's a, that. I think it's pretty important for us to do it. Yeah. And because like, we're fine. It's not, a, fortunately, this is not a situation where like, we're, there's not like big trouble here, but like it has the symptoms of like, if this were twice as big, if the client were not so not on good terms with us, this could be way worse, you know? Mm -hmm. And so like, I just kind of wanted to memorialize like, yeah. So let me learn three or four things. Let's like put this, let me do some table setting. You You set the table. Okay. So we have this client, they basically approached us and said like, Hey, we have some stuff we want to get done we have this much money. We want to spend it over this period of time. Right. And we were like, okay, cool. That makes sense. They came to us with like, uh, like some flow charts and some notes and kind of said like, there's a bunch of code that's been, this is actually some code that I had written 
two years ago. I had basically written the vast majority of this app. And um, since then, a bunch of other code has been written in there by some people who don't work at the company anymore. So there's like, there's a bunch of code that's been stuck in here that's like buggy and broken. And we just want to like rework this whole system. Right. And so uh, we started on the stuff that was like well-defined. And then as we got into it, like we started defining like next steps, like as they came up, you know, so we'd say like, okay, cool. Well, the next thing we probably want to work on is this thing. So like, we'll ask you questions and you'll give us answers and then we'll turn that into some tickets and go work on it. And that was sort of the rhythm we fell into. Um, and then we got to the end of the hours that they had paid for. And it's not like we just ran right into them. Like a couple of weeks before we said like, Hey, we're running out of hours and like, here's where we're at. And I don't know if we're going to get to the end of this, like whole chunk of work in these hours. Like, so like, we're thinking that this part is probably going to have to happen after we're done or you could extend us, you know? And they kind of indicated they don't want to extend us. Um, which fair enough, they don't have to. Um, and then we, we kind of had like a end of the project call that didn't go that great, I would say like, uh, and it kind of became apparent on that call that in their mind, we had signed up for a scope of work, but everything they signed and everything we sent them, everything that is in writing says we signed up to do X number of hours for X number of weeks. Yep. And so we insisted, Hey, like it's pretty explicit. You hired us for a number of hours and they kind of pushed back and said like, well, I thought that I kind of thought the implicit understanding was you were going to go do this whole project for me. Um, and we also kind of <clears throat> realized, I mean, other relevant points here are like the scope of the project grew mm-hmm. uh, substantially during this engagement, mm-hmm. but that wasn't really written down anywhere exactly. I mean, it's written down in our notes, but, and like, if we, if we needed to, we could go back into Slack and text messages and, and point, we could, we could illustrate this story pretty clearly if and we, we have- had to pretty good notes from a lot of calls and stuff too but like it started as one the scope started as one thing and it was like well we'll we'll clearly be able to get that done in under that amount of hours so then we as we finished that then it was like well it'd be great if we did x y and z and we're like in our minds we basically said okay well we can get started on x y and z right Mm -hmm. who knows if x y or z will be done by the end of these hours but Mm -hmm. sure um and the client was sort of insisting, well, there's clearly an agreement. You should go get X, Y, and Z done. So even if you're over hours, you should go finish X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Um, and there, there was a couple things that like, there was, there was a point where he was like, okay, well, like I'll start digging into the code. And like, if I find any bugs, like I'll just post them in Slack and we'll like see who feels most responsible for them and, you know, stuff like that. And so there was a couple of these things where I was like, man, this really does feel like they have a very different expectation of us than we have of this situation. And like, that's not good. 
it all comes down to expectations. Let, it's not good that we let a client have yeah. different expectations than us. And yes. like, there's also like all these things, which like, I think if I had known that they were thinking the way they were thinking, there's lots of places we could have intervened. Yep. Totally. Um, like for example, like when the scope grew and we said like, yeah, sure. Like we'll get started on that. I think if we had been under any sort of concept that they thought that we were agreeing to a scope. Yeah. I am extremely defensive. We, anytime bo- we someone... both would have been like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm extremely defensive. Anytime someone starts like messing with the size of a scope. Right. So like, but one of the reasons that I do hourly billing most of the time is that it's great because it actually like allows us to do agile because it's like, mm-hmm. Hey, like, yeah, it, things change. Like priorities change. Next steps change. The size of things change. And that's all good and fine. So like, this is what we cost an hour and you have this many hours of us booked. Like, so you can decide what's up next and we'll, we'll work on it. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Um, And so so I think, Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, all I'm saying is like, I think that we were just like, yeah, man, no problem. Because we had this understanding of like right. how we were working, which was yeah. how the concept Literally, said we were working. <laughs> you and I were talking behind the scenes and it's like, well, we're only 60% of the way through these hours. What do they want to do next? And yeah. you're like, oh, they want us to get started on this. I was like, okay, sounds fun. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I think there's, there's, there's three, I've thought a lot about this. I've talked to you about it. I actually talked to Jacob about it and Jacob had an interesting take on it too. Uh, and I have three things that I feel like I've learned that are like uh, useful for us in the future and feel free to like add to these. Mm-hmm. The first one that I wrote down, I wrote this down in four different ways, but it basically all just boils down to just be like, be over the top explicit, right? Mm-hmm. So um, for us, we wrote a proposal that said, we're going to work hours for you. We said it verbally, and then we sent a contract that said we're going to work hours for you. That's pretty explicit. I'd say we should. We be... also gave we also gave him like multiple options of like how the hours yeah. were going to break down, and he yeah. chose one. So you know, like quite explicit. I I just say like let's be like over the top explicit. I like, think what we I think the thing that we need to do is say what you're not getting. Yeah, yeah, you sense. know, like. We need to say, like, just to be clear, like, we are not committing to a scope of work. We don't do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, uh, the other part of that that I think you just alluded to was, um, like, at the check-in point, we can continue to be wildly explicit. So mm-hmm. at the point where he says okay, now I'd like you to go do X, Y, Z. We say, absolutely happy to, just so you know, we are precisely 60% of the way through our hours. And so like, there is absolutely no guarantee that those things are going to get finished in the latter, you know, 40% Mm -hmm. of these, these hours. So just checking back in and being like pretty over the top about it. Yeah. And I think that there were communication problems in this project that were no one's fault. Um, just because of like, 
he had some life circumstances that took him out for a couple weeks mm -hmm. right around the middle of the project, right when we were shifting priorities from the first thing to the second thing. Like, you know, so I think I bet we would have been a little bit more explicit in like a more normal weekly check-in type of system. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there was probably like four weeks where we didn't have a check-in because true. of he That's was true. not around. There was also like, and we went to you Lara started this before I was here. Mm -hmm. um, and I was there for a lot of those early meetings, but I wasn't full-time yet. And then like mm -hmm. we were at Laracon, I was coming on, we were distracted. Like uh, I still think like, to be completely honest, like I really don't think that we did anything wrong at all, <laughs> but, but I do want to focus on like, let's figure out what can we do? Yeah. What could we have done? Because like, right. Yeah, this radical responsibility, right? Like we can yeah. only take responsibility for the parts of this that we yeah. can control. And so like, like what, what could we have done? If we don't want this to ever happen again, even if we did nothing wrong, what more can we do? <laughs> um, yeah. So another thing uh, that uh, this came out of what uh, Jacob said, Jacob made a point because I like explained this whole situation to him. <laughs> the context was you had pulled like multiple all nighters mm -hmm. because we were basically like, shoot, well, like we really want to make sure we actually like get them. We want to hand this off. Well, this is a yeah. relationship we care about. We probably sunk like, Oh, I did some math. It's probably about like six grand worth of hours. Well, plus like, you're, you're continuing to work on this. Yeah, so, true. Yeah. We're going to, so, we're going to like creep on like $10,000 of free labor, just like, yeah to heal this relationship basically. Yeah. Um, which is it nuts, but yeah. And is not going to happen again. <laughs> this is not going to happen again. Um, but, uh, so then <laughs> in our, uh, weekly meeting, uh, you were sleeping cause you needed to catch up on, on sleep. And Jacob and I talked about this and I told him the whole story. And one of the things he pointed out, which I think was, is a great insight too, is, um, regardless of everything else that happened, there's always handoff that needs to happen. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, carving out if, if we do say, I don't know what the, if, if just imagine some project where we're selling somebody a hundred hours, um, and we're going to go out and do a bunch of work and then hand it off to them. We should probably like be really mindful of like, all right, let's like really carve off like five hours for handoff. Um, yeah. and, uh, in this case, like there are some like semi complicated migrations we needed to run, uh, to, in order to hand it off. Well, uh, and like, that's something that you're doing, but that was an interesting, just sort of tactical. I was like, that's a great point. Like it's a similar thing. I'm going to write a blog post about this in the future, but I think one place that dev teams can get into a lot of trouble is that they're like, uh, we're going to get right up to the finish line of finishing a project. And then like, move on to the next project and it's like well there's like feature flags and rollout and telling customers that it exists and then there's inevitably bugs and like maybe rolling the feature flag back a little bit and then rolling so it's like there's a couple weeks of like uh stuff that mm -hmm. comes along with like finishing a project mm -hmm. and i think similarly for us is like as we approach the end of our hours I think we should really intentionally carve out like 
we're going to need to spend five hours handing this thing over. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think what we should have done in this case is when we had that call where we basically told him like, Hey, we're running out of hours. Do you want to extend or not? And he basically opted not. At that point we should have said like, okay, great. We are now transitioning into handoff mode. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. so the next week is going to be focused completely on getting this to a place that you can take it. We're no longer doing new feature development. We're no longer doing any of this other stuff. We're purely like finishing the open broken tests that we have writing migrations, documenting what's left to be done, like that sort of stuff so that you can pick it up with your internal devs because, and I think that way we would have, we still would have had the conversation where like he said, Oh, I thought you guys were committed to doing everything forever. Yeah. And we would have said, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. But we would have done that with a week of hours left. Yep. So that this last week that I just spent trying to make things good would have been paid hours, not unpaid hours. Yeah. I think that's right. Um, My only last one uh, which is another like kind of a just like a tactical thing um, is like so at my old uh, job we used to do a thing called the decision log um, and it was basically it's kind of a cover your ass uh, it's mostly a cover your ass but it's also mm-hmm. a, usually pretty interesting to look at so I'd be scoping a project that would take some weeks or sometimes months to scope Mm -hmm. like a big complex thing that everyone had opinions on. Right. So I'm like writing this big document. That's like, here's our UX design. Here's the requirements. Here's who this is for. Here's the rollout process. Here's all the tickets. Um, And I'd be kind of presenting this to like engineers, designers, customers, executives repeatedly over the course of months and everyone has opinions. And so I would include in there this table. that's like kind of like important, questions that will shape this document and many of them are like highlighted and unanswered but when we answer one in a meeting i would put it there like you know i don't know whatever is like should we add this thing should we include this thing in the scope of it include like basically the answer to that question along with like notes of how we answered that question and then like a date and a list of names of like who is in the room when this happened Mm -hmm. uh and Basically, you get this like historical log of all of the important decisions that have been made about this thing. And later on, someone would be like, oh, I really thought you were going to include XYZ in the scope of that. And I'd be like, ah, interesting. You should ask exactly five weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> we had a and conversation with the like, CEO and da, 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 you know. Well, and like you and I, this is, it is interesting because like we have all of that stuff like in combined places like we could manu we could conjure it up you know because like we have slack messages and i have telegram messages and you have your call notes and i have my call notes and like all this stuff but like it is a good idea i think to have like a centralized place where we say like these are the decisions that got made on this call and then at the end of the call we say like hey are these the decisions that got made and then yeah so I totally agree. And that is where uh, I was, I was leading the witness a little bit. The, the part of the punchline of what I realized is there's nowhere to put that right now. Um, and so isn't there? Uh, 
Well, I mean, I just mean that like the, the, the centralized document doesn't exist. Mm -hmm, Right. mm -hmm. And so, uh, part of what I'm also thinking about is with InterNACHI, I'm doing things since I'm off on an island by myself and I don't need to work with you. <laughs> I'm doing mm-hmm. things my way. <laughs> and uh, I have with InterNACHI like a huge monolithic document mm-hmm. uh, that like is great and I love it. And like mm-hmm. at the bottom is this like long trailing thing of the raw notes, but then above it is like, all raw notes kind of like percolate up into sections above. Uh, Mm -hmm. And one thing I'm realizing is like, um, it should probably be a shared doc with Chris and that Mm -hmm. he should be able to see, maybe he shouldn't be able to edit, but he should be able to see, this is basically like my working document for this whole engagement. And it includes like, what is everything I'm going to deliver to Chris uh, over the course of this engagement? That's another interesting like side topic is like, I'm trying to focus on like, I'm going to deliver something to InterNACHI, like a work product for them every week. That's probably an interesting topic for a future episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, what are my goals? What are the milestones? What are the links to the, like the metrics document? Uh, what are kind of like the next things I'm focusing on and why? And then here's all the raw notes. That's a place where a decision log would go, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it probably makes sense that for a given client, if we're going to work with them for a while, we have like a shared working document. Mm-hmm. I think that's good. Yeah. So one of the things we used to do at Titan was when we did these check-ins, we would do, this is actually a Dave Hickings special, but like before we did a weekly check-in with the client, we would do an internal check-in. So the PM and then all the devs who worked on the project would get on mm. a call for 15 minutes and be like, Daniel, what'd you do? Sam, what'd you do? Jose, what'd you do? Get all the the stuff. We would sort of demo it to each other and be like, I worked on this thing. This is how it works, blah, blah, blah. We would like prepare what we were going to say. Then Dave would like lead the conversation and be like, Daniel did this. Daniel, you want to show him real quick? I would show my thing. Then he'd be like, Sam did this. Sam, you want to show him real quick? Did my thing. And then Dave would be like, okay, what's up next? Here's what we think is up next. This, this, and this. Do you guys agree? Do you guys disagree? And so it led to these really quick, short check-ins that were like led by one person. But we had prepared like a shared document ahead of time, which was like our agenda and then there was notes, obviously, if they had like feedback or new items or anything that came up. But like, I think that like kind of like pre-check-in post pre-check-in before the check-in can do a lot to make everything copacetic. I love that. I think that's really good. And right now it's like with like, uh, with some of our clients, it's not really necessary because we're like already doing product work with them, which means like we're kind of actually organically doing that check-in with them just through like sprint planning and stuff. Um, but uh, I think that's a really good idea, especially for the future. Um, yeah, cool. Okay. This is fun. How I, just um, how did you feel talking about this on a podcast fine uh yeah 
I feel fine. I also feel a little ashamed that I got bamboozled. You feel you know? ashamed that you got bamboozled. Like, Say more I about feel that. like I am, I am a person who preaches about not getting into this situation. And I've like usually am like pretty smart about not getting into this situation. You know? Yeah. Like a situ like I am usually a guy who's like pretty explicit and like hard ass up front. You know, like with new clients, like I'll I'll kind of like say like, hey, like this is what you're getting, this is what you're not getting. Like I kind of do this like whole thing up front usually. Um and I think it must just be because I had worked with this guy before and it had been shaped like this. So I just kind of like felt like I was extending the relationship that we had had before or something. But like I feel a little bit embarrassed that I let this misconception fester you know and that like we ended up in this situation at all because like i feel like it is uncharacteristic for me to be i mean obviously not like legally exposed but like to be exposed in this way i will say um i don't think you should be embarrassed because my honest take is you had every reason to believe that everyone was on the same page, that this yeah. was hourly and not Fair. project based. Like it's, it said it in writing in multiple places and we said it verbally. It's what the contract said. Mm -hmm. It's like, so, um, I, and, and so then the only learning there is, not the only, we just have three, but the, the takeaway is even if it's that explicit, just say it a couple more times, just say it even more, say it in every meeting and yeah. like frame check-in meetings around, Hey, you have, you have 72 hours left. Clock's ticking. Just FYI. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. the last five hours of that are all handoff. Like just uh -huh. FYI, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's okay. We learn from it. Um, I think the thing, the talking about it on a podcast thing that I feel is not the embarrassment. Uh, it's more sensitivity around um, like this person is a friend mm -hmm. and they could hear this. Uh, but I don't think like, I don't think that we're, so the thing that I'm trying to be really careful of is like, we're not bitching about yeah. this and like, we're not accusing anyone right. of anything. It's like, it's not like there's a misunderstanding. Misunderstandings happen all the time. Like a uh, communication is hard. There was a communication problem here. And the purpose of this episode is boy, we really don't like that. There was a communication problem and we want to go way above and beyond to make sure it never happens again. And like, part of me is also like a little bit concerned and obviously we're putting the episode out. I'm just like doing therapy right now. But like part of me is a little <laughs> bit concerned that like putting this episode out exposes to the world that we actually like bent over backwards and did a bunch of three hours <laughs> for somebody for something that yeah. wasn't our fault. Yeah. And I'm like, are people going to hear this and be like, oh, these are guys these who guys are the biggest like, suckers in the industry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I feel that's the thing I think I'm most embarrassed by is that, like, yeah. we wasted hours 
whatever. It's yeah. not a waste. I mean, the other thing is, I told waste. you this. Right. I I told you this that like I I mean, for one, like I don't know. I learned in this meeting also that you're a bigger hard ass than I am. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah, you got I to see me go hard ass. <laughs> I don't like. I don't like confrontation. Yeah. Um, I really don't like confrontation, and uh, I was like willing to to like. I don't know. At the end of the day, we were both willing to kind of like bend over backwards. It's fine, but like mm-hmm. I was like, I want so badly for everyone to like me that I'm like, whoa, I'm gonna need some like. I'm going to need more of a backbone in this industry. Yeah. Uh, and you are blessed with this wonderful trait that you don't care if anyone in the whole world likes you. <laughs> yeah. Like I was just like, you know, there are, yeah, I did say at one point when you said like, we'll see who feels most responsible for the bug. I was like, man, well, I feel about negative $6,000 responsible. <laughs> <laughs> And I was sitting, I was sitting there just like disassociating, staring out the window. <laughs> uh, but so yeah, anyway, no, I, I, I can be a hard ass when I need to. But yeah, I guess the other thing that I, uh, the thing about just like putting this into a podcast is like, I'm not that worried about that. Cause like, we know what our boundaries are and like, we're going to be explicit. We're going to put this, mm-hmm. in the, this is what the contract will say. No one could sue us over this. Cause we're going to do what the contract says. I'm not that worried about that. It is what it is. The the thing that I, again, back to wanting everyone to like me, the thing that I want to be like above board with is just like, we are telling, if we talk about stuff that's like this open on the podcast, like one, we're obviously like telling the truth. And two, like, we're not like, the point of this is, is never going to be to like, um, I don't know, like, I want to, I want to, uh, I want to be an honest broker, like with our clients about it. You yeah. know what I mean? That like, we're not going to sh- say anything sensitive about clients on here. What we're really talking about is just like, okay, what's our part in this and how could it be better? Uh, yeah, and, I agree. and I think that, I think we how did can we that. Keep our side of the street clean. I think we did that today. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. And yeah, I, this is what I want the podcast to be, you know, like this I is want the most the- open and exposed and uncomfortable I've felt on the podcast so far, but this is what I want it to be, you know, like, yeah. and if we aren't willing to, share our great shames <laughs> then like why even do the podcast if we're only going to like right. hype ourselves up when we land a yeah. big contract and yeah, say like exactly. we're the kings of contracting then like what's the point you know right um all right yeah. well we're, we're going to another meeting right now we are the kings of contracting i think this is good i think we learned some stuff uh uh i have nothing else to add this is great because i already pressed the music <laughs> Are you going to post this one? Oh, yeah. I'll post this one. Great. It's content week. Uh, mm-hmm. Blogs out. A couple of podcasts in a row. A couple of podcasts in a row. All right.